0: Kyle Fanzler from World Soccer Talk, and this episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast is presented by Sling. Now, even though the European club calendar is over, Sling is still a very useful tool for American soccer fans, and that includes the upcoming Euro 2024 qualifiers. Again, those are available via Sling. Destination European Nights is Paramount Plus's latest documentary that features Spanish journalist Guillaume Balague traveling across Europe getting the full picture of what soccer means to every single country in Europe. And that includes countries such as Israel, Finland, Georgia, you name it, including those cathedrals of the sport. And today I have the real privilege of talking to journalist Guillaume Balaguet on that documentary. Guillaume, you are an icon when it comes to journalists in soccer, and I got to say it's a real privilege for me to be talking to you. And just my first question is about this documentary. You're well-known, especially in the United States, for your Champions League coverage, and you're always pitch-side at these major stadiums. But the documentary goes well beyond just those those major clubs, if you will. You're traveling to, I already mentioned, the likes of Scotland, Israel, Finland, Kvichok, uh, Kvartshelyas, uh, Georgia. Tell me about what it's like to travel to all those countries and really capture the, the culture and the entire energy of,
1: of the sport. Uh, hi, Kyle, and thank you for your kind words. Let me just uh, explain first that uh, this is the uh, continuation of an idea that uh, popped up in the mind of uh, of the genius that we got as uh, chief executive, uh, sorry, as executive uh, producer, Pete Radovich, um, about three years ago, uh, when I started doing that for what you're describing on the on the games uh, pitch side. I think the first one was the um, uh, the first game post-pandemic in Europe, which was the Barcelona Napoli. And and I remember asking my uh, my agent, what what do I wear? What, what, what do they want? So zero knowledge about what was being done because all of it was very, very new. And very soon after that, um, because there was still a, a lot of limitations of how you could travel and no fans in the stadiums and stuff like that, a unique moment in history. Pete Radovich said... Uh, you know what, we'll put two cameras on you and a sound man and sometimes a drone, and every time you go somewhere, we'll do something. Yeah, I mean, let's do that. And what came out was the first uh, documentary, um, which was, if you look at it now, uh, Destination Portal, to see empty airports, empty train stations, empty roads, people with masks and the amount of stuff that we had to go through. It was a great idea to do at the time as a chronicle of, of that moment. Uh, and then I thought, right, well, you know, I've done my documentary, happy. Uh, no, we're doing another one, which was last year, of course, uh, Destination Paris. And yes, as you described it uh, in this third one, we're doing exactly the same thing, which is wherever I go, I land, got a couple of days, because you don't use much more time than that. Uh, and there is, there is a producer, there's a cameraman or two, soundman. Uh, as I said, sometimes a drone, and, uh, and go. Obviously, there's a lot of preparation behind uh, what we want to do, as, as you described, what we want to explore. It's not about the game, but yes, how the game, football, uh, kind of affects the life of people and how there are so many uh, that uh, dedicate their time, uh, not necessarily in exchange for money, to, um, to football and why uh, and how football can be helpful sometimes uh, like we saw in in Israel, uh, where you know we went to see a team Maccabi Haifa, which is a um, a mixture of uh, of Jewish and uh, Arabs and Christians playing together, uh, as an example of what you know what football can do on society when they get their heads together. So that's uh, that's the idea behind all of these um, uh, documentaries, and certainly the one that we're doing now. How does the
0: one now compare to those ones in the past? I mean, obviously, it's going to be different because, for example, in Destination Porto, you already mentioned it, the world was more or less shut down. But how does, just in general, how does Destination European Nights compare to uh, the editions that regarded the previous couple of Champions League seasons?
1: I am European, and as such, my idea of what your role is as a journalist or or as an author, uh, write books as well, is to disappear. That really is the target, that you know the story. But in America, you do things a little bit different. So uh, I think we found now a common ground in which um, I don't want to be the story at all, but Pete Radovich has suggested that maybe I should just get more involved. So uh, I do a bit of a catwalk in Milan with a a model next to me. Uh, I serve beers in in Munich. I I play petang um, in, uh, in Paris. So there's a bit of a, an involvement more in line with how how you picture your your journalist or, or those that had documentaries like this. So there's more of that. And then every story is different, of course. Uh, the threat is football. The threat is the Champions League. But for instance, we're going to go to, to Istanbul uh, for a few days. And the idea, it won't be so much about, you know, Haaland or... Or Pep Guardiola, there'll be some of that, of course, because hopefully we'll be meeting them uh, in the media day on next week, next Tuesday. But it's about Istanbul, who had the possibility of hosting the Champions League final before and couldn't, and who are going right now through major, major changes, social and political, which uh, which all that gets reflected as well, somewhere, somehow, in football. Now, don't ask me more about it, because we're trying to find out what uh, that link is, uh, or mm-hmm. what what is the possible links that we want to explore and then uh, because there that, that is that as well uh, people think a documentary is like years of, of preparation What i think this what makes this one uh, a bit special and different and and uh, and sharp is that we think of it a week before going and then we have to put it all together. And by the way, if we get in that place and we haven't got the person or the person is not the right one, having spoken to him, let's find somebody else. <laughs> and that really is exciting uh, and and part of, of what we're doing. I'd imagine it's
0: pretty incredible to travel around all these countries and serve beer in Munich and uh, go on a model walk in Milan. But I want to ask you as a journalist and just as a person, Are there any inherent challenges that you think you face because you are doing all these travels and going to different countries? And it's hard for me to say as an American, because Europeans, they are so kind of connected in their own different cultures. But for you, are there any challenges that really pop up and maybe make your life a little more challenging than, say, the average journalist?
1: There are, but I wouldn't call it challenges. And I'll tell you what they are. It's just part of of my job. I don't think of it like, uh, you know, God, another plane, another hotel, another city or another bunch of people that I don't know if I'm going to like, like producers. And it's not like that. It's like, who is, who is my next director or who is going to be the cameraman? Oh, I know him. Oh, I know her. Uh, And the same with the cities. And because I've got my memory is zero is minus 10. I'm, I'm, I'm like a fish. It's like, Oh, Munich isn't it great. Oh, look, the colors. Oh, look, the buildings. I've been there 10 times. I should know. I should know everything about Munich. I forget. So for me, it's like a new, uh, a new discovery every time. And then yes, there are flights that you have to get at like six o'clock in the morning, and and obviously you go to bed normally at, at whatever midnight and have to get up three hours later and, and go because from the moment you you land, you're on the go. People are waiting for you, and you have to be in character. You have to be the guy that uh, that is happy to meet everyone, and it's, it's my nature anyway but has got the, a sharp idea of what you're looking for, or what, we, what we need to get from the, from the other person, and how to leave the person, how to make them comfortable. All that is challenging, if you like, but it's is very enjoyable. Uh, as long as, I don't know if people are going to find this interesting or, or not, but as long as I have, have uh, seat 1A, fast track and priority, I'm the happiest man in the world. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter if it's low-cost uh, flight or, 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 or shadow flight or whatever, because 1A means that you can in and out, be in and out of the, uh, of the plane in, in no time and normally carry a cabin bag with me. It means also you can stretch your legs, and normally my deepest sleep tends to be on a plane. I uh, come really refresh from my trips. Uh, and fast track, you avoid uh, a lot of, uh, especially with, with a cabin bag that you have to open and you've got your creams and whatever um fast track allows you to do that all very quickly uh, and instead of being you know an hour queuing when you slept three hours is not fun but that's it i mean we we get to always go to a restaurant that's one of my uh, I, I didn't demand this but uh, somehow it's been introduced as part of the tradition find a restaurant with local food uh, where people local people will go and, and explore that side as well and from there as well there, there's been conversations that we've used for the for the documentary
0: i want to tap into that memory that you said might not be the strongest but all these restaurants these different cities different experiences that you've had i want to press you which one of these and doesn't have to be one from this edition of the destination series i'm curious if you have a favorite city or favorite country maybe even like a favorite club within a city that you uh you really have grown fond of over the years
1: i love the i love the food in italy um, I love the organization in Germany, I love the, the, the chaos, but also goodwill of the people in Spain. Um, I think uh, when you go further away from, from, from the, the, the heart of Western Europe, if you like, is when you get to see a world that, uh, that surprises you and that's not the usual. Um, Moldova uh, or uh, when we went even to Israel. Which I've been a few times, but uh, but to actually find out, as I told you earlier, about uh, about how football is run there, I was really interesting how, and and other things come out of it, and that also what make, makes makes uh, those trips interesting. It's not just the place; it's who you meet, and to meet uh, the, the, the the CEO uh, of Maccabi Renhaifa, for instance, and and then. Having him on the phone every two days because he knows that I'm going to help him maybe get one or two players that that perhaps he didn't have access to. That also enriches the uh, the whole trip. I wouldn't have one one particular place. I just love what i do and and i'm I'm lucky to be able to to do it meanwhile, uh, or at the same time as I'm, you know, with the BBC doing doing radio shows or podcasts, or you doing my own podcast, or preparing books, or so all that is. um uh, If the next question is how you organise yourself, don't ask it because I, I just don't know how to put it all together. just basically a calendar that that's full up every day, but because I love it, it just yeah, it keeps you going.
0: I think something that really find that I find really interesting about you, GM, is your relationship with athletes. And I'm I'm going to harken back to uh, last season's Champions League final. You were having a conversation with uh, Kareem Benzema. You asked him about Micah Richards, and I mean it's it's good quality content, especially for people watching from across the Atlantic Ocean, just be able to see you know a personal relationship with these people that we only see on TV. So I want to ask you: Do you have a favorite soccer player that you have a like a a friendship or relationship with? Or is it just kind of you have that
1: colloquial ability with virtually everybody you talk to? First of all, let me say that I find fascinating the approach that Pete Radovich has put into the whole coverage of the Champions League and how it allows you to be yourself. Uh, go back to when I was mentioning, what do I wear? My agent said, I'll go with tie and white shirt and suit. And OK, I did that and felt so uncomfortable. And after that, I started using my own clothes and it was like, yeah, be yourself. Oh, okay. I've been in Sky, I've been in the BBC. They don't always invite you to be yourself. But secondly, um, they create this atmosphere in which you're not working and you're relating to people as friends, if you are friends, or at least as as as, uh, uh, as people you can get more personal with. And that goes in because I've done it that's part of my trick, if you like, in my life. I, I, I develop a rel- relationship with people in which you end up telling the world 20% of what you know, and they, they, they grow to like you and you end up, I don't know, I've been presenting event, uh, commercial events with Messi for many years, uh, I've done the same with Cristiano Ronaldo and a few others, so you develop relationships. But actually, I've always, in front of camera, done something that's a bit more personal, including in the Flash Zone interviews, because I think it's good television, but not everybody has used it. And I tell you, uh, CBS has definitely gone for it big time, which I like. And yes, it's I've been I've been at the job for 30 years. Some some of these guys that I'm talking to now, I don't know Jack Grillish, for instance, in, in recent times, he's watched me on television when he was a kid. So I was in Sky doing Sky Sports in the UK doing Spanish football for many years, and he used to watch it and fell in love with the Spanish football through it and through the stories I would tell him. So. You can see straight away, oh, hello. It's like, Jack, i would never met you in, in my life. But if you sense that, then you go straight in, oh, are you okay? You know, are you going to sleep after the game? But That becomes part of the interview, and you get a completely different angle, and why not? Um, so the fact that he's allowed and the fact that, uh, yes, that our relationships are there, uh, it's something that, that we, we use it really well. And in terms of favorite, if I tell you a couple of names of people that I'm very, 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 very close to, it may affect what people think, what I say of them. Uh, because it has, it has no relation, but you know what it's like. If you say I'm friends with, that's it. Uh, you know, whatever you say is like, oh, you've just been told to say. So right. I'll keep it quiet. But let's say that my, you know, my my phone book is uh, is quite a generous <laughs> phone book in terms of numbers and, and people that are on it. Well, Guillaume, on the
0: topic of CBS's coverage, and I've talked to Pete Radovich before about the crew that he assembled for its Champions League coverage. I mean, it's awesome to watch, and strictly just from an entertainment perspective, there's not really a comparison, at least when it comes to American coverage of soccer. And you're working with with Thierry Henry, Jamie Carragher, Micah Richards on a weekly basis almost when the Champions League is in full swing. Tell me about what it's like working with them um, and being able to, uh, you know, have conversations with them, uh, like I say, whenever the Champions
1: League is on. Add Kate Abdo there.
0: And Kate Uh, Abdo, is
1: absolutely crucial. Uh, for the atmosphere uh, that that she creates, she disappears. As, as, as I was saying earlier, she disappears, but she's been asked to be more herself and, and be a bigger part of the show. So she she goes that way, but um, she's she's very sharp and intelligent, and um, and she's got that that little bit of insecurity that makes you good because you keep at it. Uh, and you don't think you never got there, even though she's presented Ballon d'Ors and FIFA Awards and all kinds. But but she's she's brilliant. You have to say uh, we've got a really close relationship. I, I love her to bits. And uh, and with the, the the three guys that you mentioned, with Mike has been interesting because uh, uh, we we throw each other darts uh, through the camera, and when we see each other, we just give a big hug. And uh, but but yes, there is there's um, there's this uh, conflict about fashion. He thinks he's fashionable. <laughs> I think uh, I think I am. And uh, and it goes on like that. The joke continues. With Jamie Carragher, uh, I've known him for many, many years. He helped me with my, my first book, A Season on the Brink, when I explained that first season of Rafa Benitez at Liverpool when they won the Champions League. And since then, uh, we've been in touch and done a lot of things together. There is a respect, mutual respect. That, by the way, uh, goes also for Thierry Henry. I uh, sense his respect. He obviously gets mine. Uh, but the fact that I can mix with them and they treat me like one of them. I, I'll never forget that's a privilege. Uh, I, I am very, very lucky to be seen in, in good eyes by these guys. I haven't played the game. Uh, yes, I've written books. I've, uh, I've been on television for 30 years. I do my job. But in football, you know what it's like. Uh, if if, if it's, it's a very small world that you not easily get ac- access to or accepted by. And I sense that uh, that that is there. And that's there. Again, this happens because of the top. And I have to mention Pete Radovich again, because if he doesn't create that energy, that sense, those vibes, it doesn't happen. They are, they are good people anyway. They, the four of them are marvelous people. But they, they've been invited to be themselves and treat themselves with, with, with the respect that they are. And, and I, I'm just very thankful for it.
0: I want to take a step away from the Champions League and I went through a little bit of a curveball here, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you are the chairman of non-league side Biggles Wade United, uh, which I believe is in the ninth tier in the English pyramid. First of all, tell me about that and how you came into that role, and second of all, what's the most rewarding part about being the chairman of Biggles
1: Wade United? that you say it is such a wonderful thing to hear it say it uh, with an American accent as well. <laughs> wonderful. Um, I uh, I got my coaching badges, um, UFOB, and and I thought I'd like to coach, but I never had the time because I was traveling every week. And around that time, uh, I tried to get a buy a club in Spain with some other prominent figures of Spanish football. Didn't happen. And And eventually got an email from the chairman of Biggs United at the time. This is October 2014 saying, we hear uh, you talking about football. You think you know about football, prove it. And, you know, you get a lot of emails from people and you don't always answer. And I have a filter. I I tend to answer the fifth time they they email me because (laughs) that means that they really, really want me to be in touch with them. But in this case, I, I did it straight away. Chris Lewis, I said, Chris, can we go for a coffee tomorrow? And then I presented my project to him. What I would like to do with the club—I didn't even know which division we were in—and uh, I went in with uh, with a lot of enthusiasm. And what has uh, allowed me to do—and this is perhaps the—in uh, fact, after this, I'm I'm doing a board meeting uh, by Zoom. So it is the thing that takes the most amount of time of my my life, but I do it so happily because I've got I've got a vision, an idea, of what I want to do, and I've implemented it for many years we used to have two teams now we've got nine and we cannot have any more but we've got two senior women, two senior men's we've got an academy we've got about 250 people involved and and there used to be like five volunteers when i first came in we all uh, go in the same direction and that's the challenge that that everybody gets excited about helping but with that the idea that this is a club that shares values and it's not all about winning or becoming a premier league club or a premier league player it's about uh, representing the club well and giving a good example to, to kids and, uh, and enjoying yourself, of course, and winning, if you can, more often than losing. So all that is in, is in place already. Uh, every year, fighting to get sponsors, to help us. Every year, uh, looking for a new step because I cannot stand still. And if I can't, nobody around me can uh and and yeah it's it's the best thing i do it's the best thing i do when you see the under eights or the under nines playing in the way that we would like the first team to play when when we build from the back when we have possession most of the time when we want to be protagonists that's one way of enjoying yourself because i'm thinking yeah that's what i like my teams my teams to play and our teams play that way but when you see everybody representing you well and there's such a huge amount of good people they're all good people at the club uh, it's um it's an energy that that comes to you i i, I get much more but I'm much more than i give the club and uh, and i will continue to do so of course All
0: right gian why well, don't want to take up too much more of your time but i did want to ask you one more question about grant wall who i know that you worked closely with especially at the world cup in Qatar, where he tragically passed away can you tell me about your relationship with Grant? I mean, you were two of the prominent soccer reporters in the world. Grant, particularly here in the United States, I just wonder if you could tell me about your relationship with him and uh, what he meant to your your World Cup and really about really your profession, if you will.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm his Grant. Uh, he he was originally a friend of a friend. It was Gab McCutty that introduces another genius of writing and and, and 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 understanding the game put us put us in touch we shared a house in um, in joburg for the south african world cup and since then we got in touch when he when he will be in spain or in barcelona we will meet uh, we will cross paths in every tournament and for qatar we decided to um, to actually share a house together with uh, rafael honekstein and, and james Honcastle. gab McCutty was going to be there but uh, espn had him somewhere else, so I said to Grad, "You want to join us?" And he said, "Yes." Uh, and it was it was great from the beginning because he worked so hard. He worked so hard. He was always in front of the computer and preparing things, discussing things, meeting people. We we had a pool, a com- communal pool in the compound where we were in, and every time he was in, he would be talking to whoever was there. And that sense of uh, of curiosity about the world is something that that he always had very present and. Uh, and yeah, and, and uh, we headed to the uh, to the stadium together when 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 it all happened. And then there's a lot of confusion in in your head because these things are not supposed to happen uh, for somebody like him, young, so prominent, so good at what he did, such a good person. But it did, and and in terms of what happened after, um, we share uh whatsapp group with some of the people that that you put you know with gap with some of the people that grant work with and i think for all of us has been a very very tough start of the year uh, i also lost uh, simon hanley who's a tv presenter for la liga tv 60 year old in december so in a period of two weeks two prominent people in my life kind of left and and yeah i think uh you know all these things that i'm telling you about traveling and and the energy that you need for it, and and the focus that you need to get the best out of what do you do, wasn't there. wasn't there for physical reasons. Started getting bronchitis and colds, and but it was in the mind as well. I just didn't have the energy or the strength to do all I had to do. In fact, I cancelled uh, I cancelled uh, a book that I had to deliver by now. Uh, I'll do it next year, uh, and it was all mixed. All all that you know it makes you think. Uh, I've taken decisions. I've abandoned. Uh, had this this plan to conquer uh, Spanish media, mm, even though I've, my career is quite clear already in place. I thought uh, i like my mother to hear me more, you know, on Spanish radio, Spanish television. So I, I kind of two or three years ago started being in touch with them, doing things for them, was taking a lot of my time and energy, Not, don't like how the Spanish media is, is run at the moment, abandon all that. And I'm thinking, you know what, um, let's make sure that we balance life a bit better, which I'm trying to do. Uh, And that's one of the many, uh, if you like, uh, lessons of having lived uh, close to to Grant. Not not my closest friend, but somebody that uh, we admire each other and uh, looked after each other big time. Uh, And then the things you hear about what he had been doing for years, you know, looking after those guys that do the first podcast or the start of web page or and he always been there uh, and and how well respected by was by the industry is another sign of the uh, of the magnitude of of what he produced
0: All Right. well he was certainly an icon here in the united states i know that He was working on documentaries as well, but Guillaume, I think that's a a good place to leave it, and I'll I'll plug your the documentary one more time that we're all looking forward to very much here, Destination European Nights, which comes out June 6th just before the Champions League final this year. Guillaume, is there anything else you might uh, you might want to share before we go?
1: No, you just told me something I didn't know. So it's the sixth of June, is it? Okay, I believe so. An eye on it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> thank you man right. thank you thank you for joining us and uh we look, like I said we really look forward to the uh, the documentary